Radio. Parish Revival, a talk by Bishop Julian Porteous at the Immaculata Mission School 2013, held in St Thomas Becket Parish in Lewisham, Sydney. Very happy to be with you, uh, to speak with you this morning. Uh, as was mentioned, the, the, the topic that uh, I've been asked to speak about is parish revival. And uh, I certainly know that that's really at the heart of the mission of uh, the Immaculata community and the Immaculata sisters. So, um, so I'm really speaking about something which is very dear to their hearts and very dear to the work that has been uh, developed here uh, in uh, Lewisham over, over the years that the Immaculate community has been active here. So uh, speaking about parish revival, what I'd like to do initially is just reflect with you a little bit about what a parish is and and what is the place of the parish in our life as as Catholics. Because um, sometimes, every now and again, you get people saying, oh, you know, parishes don't work anymore. Oh, you know, people are very mobile now and they go around and they don't belong anywhere and... Um, sometimes you hear people say, oh, the parishes are dead, they don't have much vitality to attract people and engage people, and sometimes people say, oh, parishes don't really meet modern needs, and, and so on. So you sometimes hear people saying things like that. Now, I don't believe that um, the parish is in any way um, really under, under threat in terms of its place and role in the life of the church and life of us as, as Catholics. But it's really worthwhile, I think, just to just to look at look at parishes a little bit um, to understand them firstly before we look at this question of, of revival. <clears throat> Certainly, have to say that parishes have changed, and sometimes when people do make these comments, it's because there have been a lot of changes that have occurred. Um, and I'll look at some of those changes in a few moments. But firstly, let's just just think for a moment. Maybe you, you can think yourselves about the place that a parish has played in your life as, as a Catholic. Because really the parish is the normal, we could say ecclesial, the normal church environment for Catholics. It's, it's a place where people do make real contact with the church and it's that pastoral presence of the church uh, in, in, in an area. <clears throat> and really... The first thing we can say about a parish, it's, it's the key location for those important moments in our journey of faith through life. The parish church is a place where we celebrate baptisms. Most of you would have been baptised in a parish church. So you've begun your Catholic life, you've begun uh, your life in a church by being baptised in a parish. <clears throat> Normally, uh, well, we then celebrate those other key moments in the sacraments of initiation. Um, So we have baptism, confirmation and Eucharist. All those are are, are celebrated in the parish. So we made our first Holy Communion, didn't we, in our local parish. And before that, we we made our our reconciliation in our local parish. The bishop comes to the parish to celebrate the sacrament of confirmation. So we gathered in our parish church for the sacrament of confirmation. Even though these days people look around for nice, brides look around for nice churches to be married in, the the traditional thing is that normally the the parish church would be the church where a a Catholic couple 
uh, are married, and normally the tradition has been the, uh, the parish of the bride um, as, as a place. And of course, it's from the, the parish church that we're taken for Christian burial. So, so we could say that those key moments <clears throat> in our journey of faith are very directly and immediately associated with, with a parish. <clears throat> of course, the key thing about a parish for us as Catholics is a parish where we, we, we go to, to celebrate the Mass. And, but of course, for most Catholics, the Sunday Mass. So the, the focus of the life of a parish is around the celebration of the Mass, particularly there's Mass every day, but particularly the Sunday Mass. And, and parishes are the places that people instinctively think that's where I go for, for, for Mass. And, of course, the Mass, and I'll talk a bit, a bit about it later in the words of Pope John Paul II, but um, really the Mass is what brings the people together and, and really is a, a key source of the, of the building up and strengthening of the, of the life of the parish. But the other thing that that's, uh, uh, we need to look at is that parishes not only, not only uh, provide those key sacrament, sacramental moments and provide the Mass, but um, parishes really play a very vital role in our formation in faith. In Australia, we have this remarkable system of parochial schools. Most parishes in Australia have a school associated with it. And, um, and, and that's been, and, and they've been, uh, present moment, they're very, very successful and uh, they're very attractive to people. We have, uh, in Sydney, we have problems um, meeting the needs of people. So many people want to have their children uh, attend a Catholic school, which is a very good and encouraging thing. So, so parishes have been associated with the provision of schools, and, and that also means that the, the children and the families who, who are associated with schools associate with the parish and receive formation in a whole variety of of ways, so even if people are not very, um, very much engaged in the practice of their faith, they don't go to Sunday mass regularly. But uh, through the school, they they are drawn into the life of the parish, and so they'll attend, for instance, a uh, school mass that may be put on. The mother might be able to come along to a school mass during the week, or or the schools we're seeing increasingly in Sydney, schools um, have um, provide the music or the involvement at a particular Sunday mass every week or once a month or something like that, or once a term. And, and so, so many more people, families will come along to the Mass because the school is, or the children are involved in liturgy in one way or another. So um, that provision of formation through the schools also feeds into uh, the life of the parish very effectively. And I think our parishes would be so much weaker if it wasn't for the fact of having schools and so we can be very grateful for these what the schools can actually do in terms of strengthening parish life and of course the other thing that happens is that when we have these preparation of the children for the sacraments of initiation they now take place in as parish programs in the, in the main in the archdiocese of sydney and, uh, and so that becomes a, a way also in which through the, that formation of children Families are also involved, and we normally don't just have uh, classes for children, but we have special um, sessions for adults, and we engage and draw the adults into 
the life of the, of the parish through these, these sacraments. So the presence of the school in the parish and its commitment to the formation of faith of young people is, really has a lot of implications for the parish and a lot of source of strengthening and building up the, the quality of life of the parish. The other thing that um, needs to be mentioned in terms of parishes, one of the great services that parishes do is that they also ha uh, have a commitment to provide formation in faith for children who do not attend the Catholic schools. About half our children in the Archdiocese of Sydney uh, attend other than Catholic schools. And <clears throat> one of the things that uh, parishes do is provide catechists to go out into the, uh, the, the state schools each week it's often an, an unknown, unsung uh, work of the church, but a very vital work. In the Archdiocese of Sydney, each week, we have 2,000 catechists go out into schools to, to teach the faith to children. And that again means the parish is reaching out into the, the community through the, the state schools and, um, and establishing links with the children and hence with their parents. And so again, when sacramental preparation comes along, they become key ways in which the, these families are drawn into the, the life of the parish. So apart from those, um, those areas, the schools and the catechists, it, really these days, for the ordinary Catholic, the, the key place in which they are receiving some spiritual nourishment and, and inspiration to their faith is through the local parish. So when they go to Mass on Sundays, the readings are read, the homily is given. The homily, for many, many Catholics, is that one source of spiritual input each week uh, that's given to their lives. I don't think we should underestimate how important that is uh, in terms of providing people with some sort of spiritual nourishment uh, through, the, uh, through, the Sunday, through the Sunday homily. <clears throat> and, of course, parishes will offer various other programs of uh, spiritual formation. They might, like particularly, we have the, the Lenten programs each year. As you know, the, they have Lenten groups in the, in the parishes and groups and other groups will have um, other um, parishes with other forms of formation like Bible study groups or prayer groups and, and so on. Occasional speakers come on and come into the parish and so on. So <clears throat> parishes not only provide those sacramental moments, but are, are also very clearly directed to the nourishment and inspiration of people in, uh, in, their, in their normal lives as Catholics and, uh, <clears throat> and provide a very vital service that isn't available really in any other effective way. One of the things I don't think we should underestimate about parishes is how important it is that the parish community becomes a source of encouragement for those who are seeking to live their Catholic life. You see, people, as you know yourselves, we, we live in a very secular environment. Uh, our work situations, our, our, our school situations, um, we have a very secular environment through the influence of the media and so on. So a lot of what is around, as we know, through all sorts of influences and the, the, the general environment that bears in on our life, a lot of it is very secular. And, and sometimes we can feel like we're the only person who believes. You know, that we, we can feel quite isolated. You know, if you're in a at uni or you're in, in a, a work situation, 
you can sometimes feel nobody else really believes what I believe and really wants to live the way I want to live. And people can feel it very isolated. Coming together in a parish, being part of a community, really is very important because when I go to Mass on Sunday, or today we'll have Mass, you know, when we come together for Mass, I can say everybody in that church believes what I believe and wants to live the, the same ideals of life inspired by Catholic faith. And I think we shouldn't underestimate how important that is because we can feel very isolated, very alone in the world around us. When we come together, we get encouragement by the very simple fact that there are a lot of other people there at that, in this same mass, in this same part of the same parish community. And that can be a source of encouragement to us. And also, you know, as we live in a, in a parish community, and as we participate in life of the community, we get to know people in the community. And one of the things that probably happens, and you could probably think yourselves, even your involvement here this week, or if you're involved with the Immaculata community, you can think that as you get to know one another, you see people who really inspire you. You look at somebody and say, they've got a fantastic faith. I wish I had the same faith they had. Or look at how generous they are in the way that they give of themselves to others. Or, or, or look at how they've actually had to bear with some particular difficulty or struggle or trial in their life. And they've, 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 they've done it with extraordinary trust in God or hope or whatever. <clears throat> so in other words, not only coming to the parish community as a whole and saying these people believe what I believe, but as we get to know individuals within the parish they become individual sources of inspiration and encouragement to us. And we all need this. We all need one another to, to be inspired and encouraged. So probably as we, we could think very easily and, and identify the fact that there are people, Catholics in our life who we've met, become involved with through our parishes, they've really been a very important source of inspiration uh, to us in, in the living of, of our Christian life. And I think more and more this is needed today because there aren't a lot of other sources of nourishment and inspiration and encouragement in the living of, of our Catholic life. One of the things that I think also is very important is parishes are basically communities, communities of people. And as such, these communities... Uh, parishes as communities are able to operate because a lot of people contribute in various ways to the parish. No, no parish, no Australian parish would survive today without the active involvement, cooperation and contribution of many, many people in the, in the community. Parishes are not professional organisations. In Australia, most parishes will have a parish priest, maybe have an auxiliary uh, associate priest then they, then they may have a, a parish secretary who may be full or perhaps part time um, that may be it in terms of parish staff but parishes do enormous range of things most parishes have dozens of organisations and do, do, do all sorts of different things I even like to, to say to people, just think about a Mass for a moment. The Mass doesn't happen because Father walks on the altar. 
The mass happened is because the altar society prepared the altar beforehand or cleaned the church, got the flowers in the vases and so on. Maybe as people came into the church, there were some greeters at the door handing them the bulletins and giving them out. Then as mass begins, we have the, the musicians are there leading us in the music. The singers are there to lead us in the singing. And then, and then we have the, uh, maybe the acolytes and some altar servers accompany Father onto the altar to assist in the, the celebration of the Mass. And then up come the readers to do the readings and do the prayers of the faithful. Then you have the collectors come to, to um, take up the collections and so on. So in, in one Mass, you've got all these different people all doing different individual jobs, contributing to the life of the parish. They're all volunteers. They all do it inspired by their faith, they all do it because they want to serve and contribute to the life of a parish. So parishes operate, and of course parishes have all sorts of organisations and operations. Some, sometimes you might see a parish prepares a list of the services that it offers, and sometimes it's extraordinary. You might see that there are 40 different groups in a parish doing all sorts of different things. And, and so parishes are, are really effective communities in the sense that that people are contributing to it and offering themselves to the parish in one way or another. Parishes would not be able to operate if it wasn't for the generosity and, and contribution of so many diverse people, each in their own individual way, a little bit like St Paul talking about the body of Christ. You know, there's the eye, the, the hand, the foot, the heart. You know, there's all different parts. They're all quite unique. But all together, they make the body function. And St Paul talks about the church in the same way. We say the parish in the same way. The parish operates because there are all sorts of different pe people using their individual gifts, their individual uh, talents and skills, often in quite diverse ways. But together, they're making the parish a functioning and dynamic union, unity. So parishes are rich. They're diverse. And they sustain the life the faith of Catholics in many, many different ways. And so parishes will always continue to be that foundational centre for the living of Catholic life. So that's maybe the first thing, just looking at parishes, what they, what they are. I'd like to move on, just talk a little bit about um, some definitions cause, uh, and some teaching of the church about parishes. You might just find this of, of use. Um, I'll give you the canon law definition of a parish, okay? It's described as a specific community of the Christi Fidelis, that's the faithful of Christ, um, established on a stable basis within a particular church. And you think, well, it doesn't say very much. It's a specific community established on a stable basis within a particular church. Let's just look at that. It's a very simple definition, very general uh, definition, but it does say some important things. It, it does identify some key things about the nature of a parish. It's a specific community. Now, what this means is a concrete gathering of the church. See, we belong, we all belong to the Catholic Church. Now, the Catholic Church currently has 1.17 billion people across the world. So we say, yeah, I'm Catholic, I belong to the Catholic Church, but it's this vast church across, across the world. We can identify perhaps the churches. St. Peter's in Rome, but we don't get there very often. The, the, where the church is, is realised at a concrete level 
is actually in the local parish. That's when the people gather. That's when the people come together. So it's a specific community. It's, it's a concrete realisation of the church. So, you know, for us as Catholics, when we say, what does it mean to actually belong to the church? We could say the concrete expression of belonging to the church is belonging to our local parish. And every single Catholic belongs to a parish. You can't get out of it. If you're a Catholic, you belong to a parish because the whole world is divided into parishes. So, and the way you worked out where you actually, what parish you belong to is according to the practice of the church is according to your domicile where you, where you live. So everybody belongs somewhere in the church. There are no floaters in the church. You know, so everybody can say that this is my parish. Now, maybe for various reasons, I, I go to another parish and I come here to St Thomas's, whatever, and, but I live somewhere else. But, but technically, your parish is the actual territorial area where you live. So every single Catholic belongs to a parish. And that's why sometimes people find it a bit strange but you've got to get sometimes permissions from parish priests to do certain things. And you get married, you know. You, 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 if you're not going to be married in your parish, you've got to be forms filled out to say that it's okay to be married somewhere else other than the parish. The church always understands that this is your parish, this is where you belong, this is where you, you are to participate. However, you can go elsewhere, but the, the church canonically sometimes will require forms to be filled out if you want to do something outside outside your parish or, or, or outside your diocese. <clears throat> so that, that idea of being a specific community is important. And every single one of us belongs to a specific community. Established on a stable basis. <clears throat> now, one of the other th things that's very interesting here in terms of canon law is, is they have this practice of what's called the erection and suppression of parishes. And it's a serious business. So you can't just suddenly... People can't say, oh, let's have a parish here, you know. No parish can be formed without, without the approval of the bishop, and the bishop formally does it. The area is clearly mapped out, and, uh, and, and there, there, there is quite a specific uh, canonical requirement to actually establish a parish. And no parish can be suppressed. Somebody, no parish just simply goes out of existence. There is, there is actually a formal process of suppression of a parish. If, Circumstances change, there are no longer any Catholics there. Like, just for instance, a little aside here, <clears throat> but when you become an auxiliary bishop, you're given a titular see, you see, because you don't actually have your own diocese. So you're given a diocese that has been suppressed in the past, that used to exist, but no longer exists. So when I became a bishop in 2003, I was given the diocese of Arusi. I was, oh, I wonder where Arusi is. So I started to look up, find out where Arusi is. So so with a little bit of investigation, I found it was in Tunisia, modern-day Tunisia, because in early centuries, all of North Africa was a very, very strong Catholic area. There were hundreds of dioceses across North Africa. And it was only really when Islam swept through in the 6th and 7th centuries that all of that was destroyed. <clears throat> but there was a diocese, and I discovered that that diocese was a suffragan diocese of, um, of Carthage. So the main diocese was Carthage, and this was a small diocese. Now, it's very tricky because, because I had modern maps of Tunisia, but then I had 
ancient maps of, um, of Arusi. So I found some really ancient maps. It took me a fair while to do all this. I found some very ancient maps. And I found, I could find on this, I could see on this map where Arusi was. But I couldn't work out where it was today. But fortunately, I eventually found somebody in the, in the 19th century had actually had prepared a map which related some of the very old dioceses to, to modern towns. So I then went, then I've, I went to Tunis, met the bishop there and said, look, I'm just really interested to go to where, where my diocese is. <laughs> <coughs> so, so we he said, yeah, okay, we'll go. So we got all these information together. So we hopped in the car and drove 120 kilometres inland and, um, and, and found the, a modern village down the bottom of the hill, but on, on, just on the hill was private land so we couldn't go in. But on top of the hill, there were some ancient ruins. There was a town on top of the hill. The village is now down the bottom of the hill. That was, that was Arusi. And there was a bishop there in, in, the, in the third and fourth and fifth centuries. So <clears throat> now that, that has since, since been suppressed because, unfortunately, there was not one Catholic in my, in my diocese in Arusi. <laughs> They're all, all Muslims. So, uh, so because there were no longer Catholics, they suppressed the diocese. And now, but there still is, there still is the, the diocese of Tunis, which covers most of Tunisia because there are some Christians, particularly expats, living in Tunis and so forth. So there are, there's, I think just, there's just a one diocese for the whole of Tunisia and there are a number of parishes, about, not very many, but, but just to provide the needs for Catholics who now live there. So what was before dozens and dozens of dioceses is now just one diocese and it has a number of parishes. So that's a little bit, that's how the church operates. So dioceses can be, can be suppressed, uh, erected and suppressed, so too can parishes be erected and suppressed. So it's established on a stable basis. So parishes don't change readily, as you know. You know, St Thomas's has been here, one of the very early parishes in Sydney. It's been here and it stayed. So we don't, you don't see things changing all the time. They'll, they'll, they will change because circumstances change, but you can sort of say parishes, they are, aren't they? They're very stable, you know? They're very, they're very stable. And the third thing is within a particular church. Now, that's a little bit of a canonical term. Particular church actually means diocese, sometimes called a local church. You see, really, what makes up the, the universal church are the dioceses. The dioceses are the key units of the church because dioceses are led by bishops and all the bishops are in communion with one another and in communion with the Holy See, with the, with the Pope. And so the basic unit of the church is the diocese led by a bishop. Then what the bishop does, because he can't look after every single person, the diocese is too big, he then has priests who are his co-workers and the priests, and he then assigns the priests to parishes that he establishes within, within his diocese. So that's why we always pray for, we pray for two people at Mass, don't we? We pray for the bishop and the Pope. We don't pray for the parish priest, though, do we? I'm sure you do anyhow, personally, but, but it, it, the fact that we pray for the bishop and the Pope speaks about our union. The, the, as a parish, 
our immediate point of union with the church universal is a bishop. And then we pray for the Pope, who's the head of, of the universal church. So our orientation, if we belong to a particular parish, we understand this parish isn't just a free, freely operating individual cell of the church. Each parish is directly and immediately linked to the bishop. So it is within a particular church. So, so a parish here doesn't just think of itself as linked immediately to the Holy Father. Now your link with the Holy Father is through the local bishop. And so the local bishop then has the role in the particular church of assigning parish priests. So he'll, he'll appoint a priest to go to a particular parish and, and so on. So, <clears throat> so the bishop then is uh, a key person in terms of the, um, of the parish. As early as the, um, the second century, local Christian communities began to be called uh, the Greek, by the Greek word parochia. That's where the word parish comes from. The Greek word parochia. Now, it has sort of two meanings, parochia. One, one meaning is it's, it is living near or beside. Parochia is, is when you're living near or beside somebody. So you can understand that. Parish communities, people who are living close to one another, making up uh, a parish. The other, the other um, has a secondary meaning, which is rather interesting. I think the early Christians liked it. And that was, it's also understood to refer to resident aliens. So uh, parochia were people who were resident aliens. So they didn't actually belong, but they lived in the area. So the, so the Christians often felt that was very appropriate because they saw themselves as resident aliens within the society and indeed in the world. Our homeland is in heaven. And so they saw themselves on pilgrimage, but also they understood that they were, in, in one sense, a little different from the rest of the society because they were Christian. So they felt themselves sometimes aliens, just not quite fitting into the society because of their Christian faith. And so, you know, we can say today in, in our culture that to a certain extent we are resident aliens in both two senses. One sense is that we see our homeland in heaven, but secondly, we understand that the culture has, a, has certain values and attitudes and approaches, but we have our own particular beliefs and understandings and we live our Catholic life um, a little separated from, but also contributing to the society in which, in which, in which we live. One place um, in, um, in, in recent times that where there's been, there's been some discussion about, about parishes and their place and role in, in Catholic life is <clears throat> found in a document of uh, Pope John Paul II entitled, that's is the word I used before, Christopher Daly's Laici. Now, this was a document which came out in 1988. It was a result of one of the synods that was held. And the synod looked at the role of the layperson in the church and the world. And out of it came this document. And in one section of this document, because it's talking about the role of laypeople in the church and in the world, it, there's a section that deals with parishes. And there we see um, Blessed John Paul II speaking about the idea and, and notion of parishes. And, and he says, much of what I've been saying already, he says that the church always has a universal dimension. You know, we are Catholic. We belong to the universal Catholic church. He says, but it finds its most immediate and visible expression in the parish. 
So, as we were saying before, so the Pope is saying, saying that we belong to the universal church, but as he says, the, the immediate and, um, and visible expression of being Catholic is expressed through the parish. He then uh, speaks about the, he says, he, encourage, he expresses the hope then, speaking about parishes, he says, that in the light of faith, all rediscover the true meaning of parish. That is, the place where the very mystery of the church is present and at work. I think, I think this is particularly when it comes down to this idea of both the, the preaching of the word, the formation in faith, and also the sacramental life of the church. So, again... While church may be doing things universally, making statements and doing various things, and so at a concrete local level, the church is active in terms of, of proclamation of the faith and, and the sacramental life in and through the local parish. He's, he goes on and says that a parish is not principally a structure, a territory, or a building. So it is those things. We spoke before about canonical structures around a parish. We spoke about the idea of a territory, because it is a territory. Or a building. We look at the, the parish church and the school and the presbytery and the convent and so forth, and we say that's the parish, the parish, or the parish plant. The Pope saying, no. What, what parish is essentially, he says, is the family of God. A fellowship, a fire with a unifying spirit a familiar and welcoming home, the community of the faithful. So that's a rather beautiful expression, you know, to think that, yes, this is what it is. It's, it's, it's the people of God who come together because of their faith, that because their faith draws them in, in union with each other, draws them into love with each other, draws them into a spirit of service and contribution to life of, of the parish. And it's a familiar and welcoming home. So that, you know, people do... F say that this is my spiritual home. I feel at home in my parish. You know, this is where I belong as a Catholic. And, and so parishes are to be those welcoming, familiar and welcoming homes. It's a community, as we said, of the faithful. And he says, plainly and simply, the parish is founded on a theological reality because it is a Eucharistic community. So for like all of these dimensions of what a parish is, is actually realised, given expression, ultimately in the celebration of Mass. And, you know, we often hear the, the phrase, the Eucharist is the summit and source of, of Catholic life. And it's very true. It's a summit. We draw all that makes us Catholic, all, all comes and finds expression one way or another in the Mass. And it's from the Mass then that we're able to be who we're meant to be as Catholics. So the summit and source. I'd just like to quote what the Pope says. He says, This means that a parish is a community properly suited for the celebration of the Eucharist, the living source of its upbuilding and the sacramental bond of its being in full communion with the whole church. Such suitableness is rooted in the fact that the parish is a community of faith and an organic community, that is, constituted by the ordained ministers and other Christians, which the pastor, who represents the local bishop, is a hierarchical bond with the entire particular church. So, 
the Pope wants to emphasise very much that the parish is a community of faith. It's a living, dynamic reality. And through uh, the past of the priest, there is a direct link with the, uh, with the universal church um, through the bishop, as I said. <clears throat> All this is sort of saying the parishes aren't just free-floating kind of things, doing their own thing, going their own way. There's quite a, a specific nature to a parish and a, a specific character that makes up a parish. So having said that, <clears throat> I want to look at now at the, the changing realities that we find ourselves in at this moment in, in history. There's no doubt there's, there's, there's significant changes that have taken place in our society that have had a very big impact on, on parishes. In the past, if we take the city of Sydney, for instance, parishes were established basically around the idea that they needed to be close enough to one another so that people could walk to Mass. Because the, the parishes, say St Thomas's here at Lewisham, was formed because it was too far to walk to St Mary's Cathedral to go to Mass uh, or to go to, to St Benedict's at Broadway, which were two of the first churches. So, so I can't remember, I don't know the year this was established, it was quite early on. And so as the city of Sydney began to expand, they started placing parishes uh, to meet the needs. So, so that's why we find in the inner city areas, parishes often quite close together because people didn't have, public, didn't have cars and there wasn't a lot of public transport. And so parishes need to be close enough so that people could get to them. And basically we worked on the idea of walking. So if it's too far to walk to get to, to, to Mass, then we should look at establishing another parish. Like my parish of Dulwich Hill, uh, when I was appointed parish priest there, I, I looked up some of the history of the parish and I was very interested just to find out how it came about. And what happened was there's a whole lot of people uh, petitioned uh, the cardinal, Cardinal Moran at the time, to say, we need a parish in Dulwich Hill because, because there was a parish in, uh, in Marrickville and there was another parish um, sort of in Canterbury. It doesn't exist anymore, but there was a parish just there. But this area, because it was the end of a, it was the end of a, um, of a tram, it was a tram used to go out to Dulwich Hill. And when the tram line went in, a lot of people bought up properties around Dulwich Hill because they could get the tram, the tram take them to work, take them into the city. And so there they were in this, in this area, but it was, they, and they petitioned, they wrote, I saw the letters, they wrote to the, the cardinal saying, could we have a parish here because it's too far for us to get to Marrickville or to get to Canterbury. And so the, the cardinal wrote back and said, yeah, look, I'm, I understand your needs and therefore we will, I will establish a parish at Dulwich Hill. So that was often how parishes developed. And that's why, as I said, we see here, you know, we've got Leichhardt, we've got Lewisham here, we've got Leichhardt, we've got North Leichhardt, you've got um, um, Broadway just down the road here. You know, the parishes are quite close together. Summer Hill just over there, you know, when you think Newtown and so on. They're quite close together because of this. But also um, when the parishes were formed, they often would be, um, where possible, they'd, they'd be close to the, the centre of the suburb or the centre of the area. So close to the train line or, or close to the shopping centre or, um, or in a fairly prominent place in, in the local suburb. 
<clears throat> so often you often hear streets in towns called Church Street, don't you? You know, there's a, so many church streets because that's where the churches were built. The churches were built often close as possible to the shops or to the to the transport hub and, and so on. And and often they would be built um, certainly in our time in very in, in the traditional way of a Catholic church. You just look at that, and that's clearly identifiable as a Catholic church. You know, it's got a structure, it's got a steeped um, roof. It's, um, churches sometimes have spires or have um, bell towers. There's stained glass windows. They're often made out of stone or, or brick, and you know, and they've got a, a straight format. You know, so there's, people could immediately identify the church as well. It also meant that um, the church was quite visible because you'd go down the shops to, to get a loaf of bread or something like that and you walk past the church. <clears throat> the church would be there close to where the shopping centre was. Um, in those days too, churches were normally left open all day because there was no problem of vandalism. In those days people respected churches um, and, and so people sometimes call and make a visit and, and so on. So you know, the, the, the parish church was there. If you go to Europe, sometimes you'll see that the parish church is built and there's a big um, piazza in front of it. There's a, you know, the shops are around the side and the markets are held there during the week. And so the, the parish church was really at the centre of the, the village, really the centre of the, the town. So parish, parishes were very visible and very clearly evident uh, to the people. Everybody sort of knew where the Catholic church was because they passed it every day. They'd see it and they'd, they'd recognise it. So that was... That was where a lot of our parish, particularly our inner city parishes, developed in Sydney. But then there were significant social changes that took place, particularly after the Second World War. One of the main things that happened after the Second World War was firstly there was a, a baby boomer generation, so a lot of children were being born after the war, and there was a time of great expansion uh, in Sydney. They needed to build a lot of houses for, for people and for families. And uh, also after the Second World War, people began to be able to afford to buy an automobile. And that was important because suddenly they had a means of personal transport which they didn't have before. So then we saw the, 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 the emergence of um, what you sort of call dormitory suburbs. And people would, would uh, you know, hear that the houses are sometimes built right next to each other. They'd be like uh, tenement sort of housing. Whereas after World War, people liked to have the quarter-acre block the, the clear block of land with the house on it, the big backyard, uh, maybe some chooks down the back and whatever. And, um, and so, so we have what we now call the urban sprawl. So, so suddenly Sydney expanded right out, went right out um, towards uh, Penrith and, and, and developed quite extensively. Then the church was really struggling those days to keep up with the development and growth. And now when we're building churches... Um, sometimes it, it wasn't possible to build right on Church Street, right on the main street of the town. So sometimes we start seeing now, and in the years that followed, churches built separate in separate areas to the main shopping centre. And uh, so if you go out to Bosley Park, for instance, um, <clears throat> in Sydney, and some of these parishes that have developed in the 70s and 80s and 90s, you'll see that um, often the parish centre which will have the, the parish, the, the, the church, the presbytery, the school, um, and, and will have some grounds, is often built <clears throat> separate 
to the, um, the local shopping centre and, 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 and area. Partly because people didn't need just to walk. They could hop in the car and drive there. But what happened was, as a result of that, is that <clears throat> a slight shift took place in people's mentality. Really, a little bit like, it was like the shopping centre, the, the, big, the big shopping mall we have. Now, <clears throat> you drive to the shopping centre and it provides a lot of parking for you because you go there because you want to do several things. You've got to go and buy the groceries, you want to go and get your watch fixed or whatever. You know, so, so you go to the shopping centre to, um, to be able to, to, to get what you need. That same kind of mentality, I think, has sort of crept into the church. So I go now to my parish for what I need. So I go there because that's where my children go to school. So I need school, the, the parish uh, plant provides education. So I go there and drop my children off to school and, and whatever. So I go there, there's a, there's, a, there's a funeral on. I go there for the funeral. Or I go there <coughs> for, uh, for the baptisms and, and so on. <coughs> so because there's a little bit of the mentality of our time, people begun to see parishes not so much as, as communities in which you know, everybody be, was kind of closely, closely knit together and supported each other, but now they've become more like a service centre. So people will go there because the parish, like the shopping centre, provides certain services that I need. And I'll drive, do what I need, and go away. And so the whole idea of, of walking by the church or even just um, calling in for a visit tends to fall by the wayside. And because churches are now in isolated places and so on, they're often locked during the day <clears throat> because of the problem of vandalism. And so there's been these shifts that have, that have affected things. And people's lives have become busier. Uh, they're more mobile, yes, but they're more active. And so people just tend... To, to use the parish for those things that, uh, that they need. That's why we find that the struggle at the present moment of parishes really being able to be communities in the way they probably were in earlier times. <coughs> Many people say that they feel anonymous at Mass. You go along to Mass, you sort of know some faces, but you often don't know people. And a lot of people will want to go to Mass to meet their, their own personal spiritual needs. So I'm a Catholic, I go to Mass on Sundays. But I'll just go to Mass, drive up, park in the parking spot, and then leave afterwards. Um, so there's been a shift in an understanding of uh, the nature of parishes. We also know, too, that because people are more mobile now, before, if you lived in this area, really you'd always come to St Thomas's because that's the only one you could effectively get to. You can walk, your family will walk a couple of blocks to get to St Thomas's. Now you've got a car, it's not so hard to go somewhere else around. So people will now shop around and they'll go to a particular parish because they like the, um, the liturgy in that parish or they like the priest in that parish or that, this parish has got better parking. You know? And some parishes don't have good parking it's impossible, can't never get a decent park near the, near the church, so I'll go somewhere else. <clears throat> so people then don't have that same sense of allegiance or commitment 
to or, or understanding that this, this is my parish um, that they, they had perhaps in, in earlier times. So, look, this is, this is a reality. We can't, we, we, we can't just say, oh, wish it was like it was in the olden days. Uh, it's not the olden days anymore. It's the modern days. <laughs> this is a reality. This is your reality. Um, so we need to look at this question of how can we uh, respond to that. So I want to really just put to you um, what I think is going to be increasingly important in terms of parishes. Because we've, we've got this shift that's taken place, and there are many other factors as well, but because this shift has taken place, I think it's going to be more and more important that, that parishes are actually able to be, to come, if you like, spiritually alive, to be really vital spiritual centres that attract people, not just for the service, so not just because it's a good liturgy, or not just because it's good parking, uh, or not just because um, I need to get certain things done, but I want to be part of this parish because I get spiritually nourished and inspired by participating in the life of, of this parish. So I think there are two stages to this. I think the first stage is that the parishes do need to centre upon um, bringing about spiritual regeneration, spiritual revival uh, among the parishioners. So <clears throat> the, the danger is that priests can be, can be very busy um, just by virtue of the demands on them, of providing for all the needs of the parish just on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think, I think we, what we do need to do is, is, is to, to bring into parishes means by which there can be spiritual revival taking place. And that's really what's happened here at St Thomas's at Lewisham. That it's because... The Immaculate Community has been established because of the work you've done here, that this parish is attracting a lot of people, is, is, is alive, is, is rich, and all those things I spoke about as a, a community, they exist here because there has been a commitment to the spiritual renewal of the parish. It hasn't just been providing services in the best possible way. I mean, that's very important, of course. But it's, be, but it's because there's been a focus on spiritual life the parish. So I think what we do need to do is, is, is to regenerate parishes from within by, being, by, by doing the very things that have been done here at Lewisham, but doing many other places, that, that parishes are able to actually come alive spiritually. And that means, means putting on missions in parishes, it means putting, uh, having speakers, having prayer groups, having Bible studies, having adoration, having rosary, all these sorts of things, and drawing people... But, but done in a way to actually, really what's been happening here during the mission school, to really revitalise and build up and strengthen pe people's faith. And then the parish becomes attractive to people. You know, people come and they say, this parish has something. They often can't identify it. It's not just so much that they're doing things really well. In fact, you don't necessarily have to do things perfectly. I think it's more important that there's a spirit that animates the lives of the people who are part of the parish, contributing and being engaged in various works within the, within the parish that are attractive to people. 
And so when a parish begins to be revitalised from within, then it becomes attractive and engages people and draws people more into the life of the parish. So it's not just a service centre, but it's a place where people want to come because the parish is offering them something that really they are looking for in the end and they really need. But it mustn't stop there. Because I think there's a second phase. As a parish begins to be spiritually renewed, then a parish needs to place itself on a missionary footing. So parishes mustn't just become places where, the, say, the community grows and it's lovely and we're all um, feeling uh, closer to one another and really being inspired and encouraged in our faith. That's all very good, of course. But it mustn't stop there. Then, on that basis, the parish itself needs to become missionary, evangelising. And I often used to say to the seminarians when I was rector of the seminary, that your task is the evangelisation of every single person who lives within the territorial area of your parish. And, and as you say, that's the job of St Thomas's Lewisham here, is to evangelise every single person who lives within the area of Lewisham Parish. So to have that mentality. Now what that means is that we start to think, focus not just in on ourselves, thinking, not just looking at ourselves, we have to, we, we, as a community, as a parish community, we start, to, we start to look at reaching out. How can, we reach out? How can we reach these people in this area? What can we do to engage with them? How can we draw them into the life in Christ that we have and celebrate here in the parish? So <clears throat> and when this happens, a parish changes from becoming, if you like, to a certain extent, inward-looking, and that's, that is a risk in a parish that people can contribute to make a parish a really good parish, and that's great and very important. But parishes can't just focus on looking after themselves and looking after people who are part of the parish or become involved in the life of the parish. I mean, that's necessary, it's number one, but it mustn't stop there. Then the parish, as a whole community, needs to say, we are a missionary parish. And then we, we as a parish community start to think about how can we as a parish reach out to this, this area with the gospel, with our life, and help others to discover and participate in what we have come to discover and participate in our own life. So they're the two phases, I think, that are very important for, for parish revival. That was Bishop Julian Portis with Parish Revival. For more from the Immaculate Mission School 2013, visit cradio.org.au.